0: Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance.
1: You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's guest is a board-certified integrative neurosurgeon named Dr. Marcella Madera. Marcella, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: I'm. I'm. Uh, I, it's actually really cool to be able to uh, to chat with you when I'm not post anesthesia with uh, all sorts of weird goopy things on my head, which I think happened last time. I'd like to start out by saying, what made you an integrative neurosurgeon? Because those words sort of feel oppositional to me. Like, like most of the time surgeons are the ones who are like, I don't know, hit it with antibiotics and I can stop a human heart and I'm so tough. And here you are, not only doing integrative stuff, you do Dr. Barry Morgulon's energy exercises before you operate, like you're, you're kind of out there. How do, you, how do you exist in both worlds? What made you this way?
2: So I had many years of taking care of patients where I, you know, I had this rigorous surgical training at Hopkins for my fellowship. And I really had the feeling over and over and over that I wanted to treat patients holistically. And I felt like there was so much more that I could offer um, to patients in terms of their whole life and their whole health, as opposed to just finding a place to cut. So that's how I started my journey.
1: Can you talk more about nervous systems, surgery, circadian stuff? Like, what have you learned, especially as an integrative practitioner um, that might be applicable to everyone listening if they're going to get any kind of surgery?
2: Well, for surgery, um, optimizing sleep before surgery is really important, and that's something from an integrative perspective. I never talked about that before I was doing integrative work. Um, But certainly, you know, surgery is extremely traumatic to your system, and so my entire Process leading up to surgery, or even if it's just a small procedure, not a surgery, is optimizing the stress response, the inflammation response, and trying to keep people as calm and cool, rested, and well. Um, even better than their normal state of health leading up to surgery. So sleep is incredibly important before and then afterwards, um, depending on how big the surgery is and how you know long people are in the hospital. Um, most of the things that I do in my integrative practice are actually pretty small surgeries because – one of my goals with my integrative practice is to minimize the size of surgery that I do. So I'm actually doing small, minimally invasive things. Um, but if you're in the hospital for a few days or, you know, with medications that you're taking, all of that can disrupt sleep. And the more sleep you get, the better you're going to feel, the better you're going to heal. Um, that's very, very, very well known.
1: Hospital environments suck. Um, I, I do my <laughs> I best to stay out of the hospital. Okay, that's I a agree. statement all of us would say unless we work in one. Uh, but uh, um, I think the only time I've really spent any time in the hospital was maybe four years ago, I stepped on a rusty nail. Oh, and yeah. you're like, all right, fine, whatever. I'm, I had a tetanus shot a while back, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I spent you know eight hours in the hospital. I'm like, I couldn't sleep in this hospital to save my life. And like, if I was gonna have surgery, a beeping and horrible lighting and constant interruptions. And like, how does anyone heal in a hospital?
2: Well, I I will say too. So the whole process of being in the hospital, um, sets off a stress reaction, which sets off inflammation. And we do know that inflammation, um, can affect the circadian rhythm that there's, there are connections chemically between circadian rhythms and inflammation. So, what do people do in the hospital? I mean, number one, we try to do the smallest (laughs) surgery possible to get them out as quick as possible. Um, for my patients who have, are in my, uh, do my integrative program before and after I actually have them listen to the breathing exercises, um, while they're in the hospital, uh, after, um, really anytime they could leave the breathing exercise on all night. And that helps with sleep. Um, I also have another, um, autogenic, uh, exercise, um, that came from another, uh, from a neurosurgeon who is a holistic pain doctor now, um, that helps, uh, manage pain with cognitive exercises. Um, So managing pain is a big part of it uh, when Uh you're in the hospital to get sleep and then keeping your nervous system calm as well. But the number one thing is quick surgery, stay as as short time as you can.
1: (laughs) Do you envision a future where hospitals actually help you heal by designing their environments to be a little bit human friendly and a little bit less like being inside of a refrigerator. I have no idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> how do you even describe it?
2: I do. I think um so that's a great way to talk about a project um that I'm working on with the medical school here in Austin. So Dell Medical School um has uh, supported me with this project of how do we reduce pain after lumbar fusion? And they're actually letting me add some integrative techniques to the pathway before um, and after surgery. So we're even getting anti-inflammatory diet in the hospital um, amazingly.
1: what do you what do you recommend? And so this is something listening to this, you get to talk to a surgeon about an integrative surgeon about, okay, what do you do before surgery? And this doesn't have to be before neurosurgery, before any kind of surgery, right? so what what kind of food changes do you make for people before they go in?
2: So I really design a food discussion based on how much I think the patient can, Manage. Um, some people come to see me, and they already know what you know, where the meat sources that are important, what the good ones are. And well, you're in Austin, I-
1: so any any barbecue is fine, right? <laughs>
2: um, there, there are some places that are are better sourced than others. <laughs> okay, so um, grass fed. You're but you, basically saying, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But there are some patients that come and have a, a wide uh, variety of knowledge, and other people come and have ever heard of um, that that actually gluten and dairy can be inflammatory or have never believed it and have never heard a conventional doctor tell them that, you know, it, it is actually important. So um, the other thing is, you know, leading up to surgery is stressful. And so I don't want to give people a hundred things to do leading up to surgery, if, especially if their surgery, if they need to do something pretty quickly, if they've got severe nerve compression or something. So I really design it based on what the patient um, can feasibly manage without too much stress. So typically, what that is, the simplest thing is, um, you know, very simple, low inflammatory diet, low dairy, low gluten, um, cutting both of those if they can. Um, we do, I do talk to them about fat sources, trying to get grass fed, um, if they can. And the grass fed butter, we talk about butter and cheese, um, either, you know, European sources or grass fed sources. And in Austin, you know, we're really lucky. We have, you know, great farmer's markets and, um, Whole Foods is from here. So we actually, people have access to really great stuff here. So I try to keep it as simple as and compact as I can if their surgery is coming up pretty quickly. Um, for patients who want to dig really deep and- I mean,
1: The ones who don't want to die and want to suffer less after <laughs> surgery, those ones? Okay. Yeah. Keep going.
2: Yeah. Um, for those, we just do a more intense anti-inflammatory diet. Um, and I have, you know, being a neurosurgeon, I, I have a lot of colleagues who are integrative and functional medicine doctors who have very specific, you know, do lab testing and do stool testing. And if people want to get really deep into it, then I refer them to one of my um, really uh, expert colleagues for that stuff.
0: Bulletproof radio, a state of high performance.
1: You're listening to Bulletproof radio with Dave Asprey. Today's guest is a, a dear friend Uh, an advisor, a mentor, uh, and someone who is really working hard to change the world on multiple fronts. A multi-guest on the show, author of a book, and CEO of a company called Viome that you know I'm a big fan of. I'm talking about none other than Naveen Jain. Naveen, welcome to the show.
3: Well, Dave, it's always an honor and a pleasure to be on your show. And no wonder I keep coming back. (laughs) most people thought that even our immune system actually stops at the blood-brain barrier yeah. now they found the immune system all the way to the brain the lymphatic system the yeah lymphatic system and also the communication between the bacterial organisms in the gut to the brain you know interesting part here's the interesting part what happens in the gut doesn't stay in the gut when you are anxious you get the butterflies in the stomach. When you're depressed, what do you do? You eat or you don't eat. Why is it the digestive system is actually impacting the brain? It may turn out that, as you mentioned, that we may be just a wonderful, beautiful container for these microorganisms, for us to spread them around by pooping everywhere, which is literally why they may have created us, and they control our mood, our behavior, and our craving, which I found to be personally just amazing. I would have, I used to crave the desert after every meal because to me it was exclamation mark, my meal is done. I've seen you eat ice cream, Naveen. Yeah, but here's the interesting part. (laughs) After I gave up for three weeks, just willpower, I just don't crave it anymore. I don't need it. So what is it that happened? After the first three weeks was the willpower. After three weeks, I killed those bastards who were making me crave that. Yep. Don't care them anymore. Don't care anymore, right? So my point is, little that we know, they're controlling every part of our body. They are the puppet masters. And one day we're going to realize that, you know, this. I'm going to digress for a second here. We talked about, you know, humans having a soul, right? And that's something that's eternal. And when we die, the soul goes away. I wonder if they were really talking about microbiome more or less the microbiome (laughs) move from one host to another host and the soul just simply merges into the nature and finds a new host, right?
1: I, I believe the origins of consciousness are bacterial in, in humans, unquestionably. The, the ego itself is a function of mitochondria. Mitochondria are bacteria. Bacteria talk to each other. The gut, gut liter- bacteria talk to them. That is, that's how we work.
3: So microbiome, mitochondria communicating. The microbiome, literally every, everywhere in our body, is communicating with the bacterial organism. They were there three and a half billion years ago. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of time to think, lot of time to evolve. The humans are only a couple of hundred thousand years old. We are still learning to communicate among ourselves. <laughs> so another thing we really learned is now we can see the signatures of the diseases just by looking at your gut microbiome, fancy way of saying your poop. We can see the onset of depression, onset of obesity, diabetes, IBS, and then just, from, gut bacteria just mix. from your gut bacteria mix. We can actually tell you you have IBS, we can tell you you have joint pains, you got arthritis. Right. And amazing things happen as you adjust through the micronutrients, and micronutrients come in the form of supplements and on possibly even food. Yep. And, and then you're able to adjust the biochemical activities using artificial intelligence. Amazing things happen. We are able to our hope is in the next five to ten years, we're going to be sitting here and talking about and saying, I can't believe there was people ten years ago who suffered through life. They had cancer and died. They had heart diseases. They didn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Our kids are going to laugh at us. You mean people took the drugs for the rest of their life because they just didn't know what to do?
1: Or everyone ate the same diet. like like, Wouldn't I eat the diet that works for me? It's obvious, right?
3: And mom and dad, by the way, had the same meal every day they sat around the table and ate the same meal you mean they didn't have the personalized customized 3d printed meal just printed for them and they sat and ate together however the meals were different for each person because it's going to be personalized the idea of these consumer packaged goods are going to go away there will be no packaged goods everything will be on demand personalized just for you and customized and customized for you right that is what you are doing amazing stuff because I really believe, Dave, the next 10 years, the idea of people having chronic disease is going to go away. And that's our mission, to oh, yeah. create a world where being sick is a truly a matter of choice, not a matter of bad luck. And it will happen. 10 years from now, we won't be discussing this. Doesn't mean we won't have any other problem. Yeah. Our kids are going to talk about it and say, why do we have to speak to actually transfer our thoughts to another person. You mean you just had such a low bandwidth speaking <laughs> thing to transfer? You, mean you didn't have a broadband 7G that just to everybody understood your thoughts and they were just done? And by yeah. the way, you were sat in the class for four years to learn, from, learn about the thing. You didn't just upload their brain into them and you were done? <laughs>
1: You know the world is going to be so much cooler than it already is, and and you can see the slope of change yeah. if you've worked on it for decades, like you have. Yeah. And if you're you're sort of new to this, going, how could any of that be possible? I didn't see it last year. It's because things are happening four times faster this year than they were last year.
0: Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance.
1: Today's guest is someone. If you've listened to the show before, you might know who he is. And if you're in Hollywood or something, you might know who he is. But let me tell you a quote about this guy. Uh, This is a quote, Jim Quick knows how to get the maximum out of me as a human being. Uh, You know who said that? Uh, Will Smith. (laughs) So uh, this is a guy who for 28 years has been the primary cognitive performance and brain trainer for huge, huge people in Hollywood. Jim Quick is a good friend and he has taught many of the Fortune 500 CEOs how to suck in the information the way they have to do it. People who are at the extreme levels of performance, the the very top people in Hollywood. And after 28 years of doing this with a fascinating story, he finally said, I guess I should write a book. I talked to 200,000 people a year uh, in live things about how to make them read faster and remember things and do things that literally normal people say are impossible. Jim, welcome to Bulletproof Radio. I think for your second time,
4: maybe your third. Dave, thanks for having me, and thank you everyone who's joining us. Uh,
1: what is Unlimiting, the way you're defining it in the book? Because I, I think, I almost wish that was the title instead of Limitless, although I understand <laughs> why you chose Limitless. What <laughs> well, is you've
4: it? Seen, you've seen the movie Limitless, uh, obviously. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty well known
1: for for early use of Modafinil, which you would call the limitless drug. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. yeah.
4: So, everybody knows that it was with Bradley Cooper and Robert De Niro, and he, he goes from zero to hero. Um, so, I, I don't have the pill, but I have the, the process for, you know, Bradley Cooper's able to learn languages, be able to read faster. He, was, he had this incredible memory, he had incredible focus, determination, and drive. And, uh, but I figure out the processes for those things and I put them in the book. The, on, the process of a limiting is the active removal of barriers and borders around the things that we want to accomplish. And again, limitless is not about being perfect. It's about progressing and advancing beyond what we believe is possible. And I created a three-part framework that it's easy to understand and very, very practical, where people could see themselves in there and be able to take immediate action. And so when I talk about this, about being limitless, there's there's a quote I opened the book with from a French philosopher that says, life is the sea, between B and D. Life is the C between B and D. And people are thinking I'm speaking in tongues or code. B is birth. D is death. C, life, is choice. And I really do believe that our life is a series of sum total of all the choices we've made up to this point about little things like, you know, that add up to big things like what you're going to put in your body, you know, what you're going to feed your body, what you're going to feed your mind, you know, whether you're going to move for today or not, where you're going to live, you know, who you're going to spend time with, who you're going to marry, like all these choices, right? Where we going to go to school, all those choices. And I do believe that that is the, the ultimate superpower is our ability to make decisions is yeah. these difficult times that we're in right now. These difficult times can diminish us. These difficult times can define us or these difficult times can develop us. We decide right? And so limitless is about getting our power back. So I want everyone to picture three intersecting circles and it kind of looks like Mickey mouse. So you have two ears that are overlapping and one face. So a Venn diagram, a Venn diagram, three intersecting circles. They, they all overlap a little bit. And these are, I want you to think about an area of your life where you feel limited. I want you to think about specifically an area of your life where you're not making progress. It could be in your career. It could be in your income. It could be in your impact, your contribution. It could be in your relationships. It could be in your physical well-being. What area of your life? It could be in your learning. Right? You feel like you're not making progress. You can't. Your memory's not making progress. Your your reading speed. Your focus. It's something is keeping you feel like you're in a box. All right. So think about one area of your life, and we'll I'll walk you through this exercise. Now, this box is three dimensional. So there are three forces that keep you in that box. And these are the three circles because these are the same three forces that will liberate you from that box. All right. And the reason why I do this is because you can't change something that's invisible, right? If you don't, if you don't give it a name, you can't be able to, you can't influence it if you don't know it, if it doesn't exist. So here are the three forces. The first circle is your mindset, three M's. I alliterate everything because I, I use acronyms for everything. I use mnemonics for everything to make it very memorable. Three M's. The first M is your mindset. Now I'm going to define mindset as your assumptions and attitudes towards something. Your assumptions and attitudes towards the world, how it works, uh, attitudes, assumptions about yourself. Um, what would fall in this circle that would be very relevant are what you believe is possible. Also in this circle what you believe you are capable of because you could believe something is possible and you could believe you could not believe that you're capable of achieving that right but somebody else could so what you believe is possible what you believe you're capable of and what you believe you deserve would go in there also so that's the first m that's your mindset now the last m as a spoiler i mentioned are the methods right and this book was primarily a textbook on how to unlock the most important technology, which is your brain. Yet, without if if I teach you, if I teach you a strategy for learning a language faster or remembering, walking into a room and meeting twenty strangers, remembering all their names. But your mindset says, "I'm too old, I'm too stupid, I'm not smart enough, I have a horrible memory." Then you're still going to be stuck in that box, right? Because all behavior is belief driven. Yeah. People come to me all the time at conferences. They pull me out in private and they're like, Jim, I have a horrible memory. Let me tell you. And I'm like, wait, wait, stop. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. If you fight for your limits, they're yours. And people are always doing that. And I, I'm telling you, your brain is like a supercomputer and your self-talk is the program it will run. So if you tell yourself you're not good at remembering names, you will not remember the name of the next person you meet because you program your supercomputer not to. Your mind is always eavesdropping on your self-talk. And so that, that's part of mindset, right? And that's why it's important because you can learn the method, but you can believe it's not possible or you might believe you're not capable of it, or you might not believe you deserve that relationship or to deserve that body or deserve that income, right? And so you go through a process of unlimiting those lies. And in the book, I point out seven globally mass-accepted lies around learning and intelligence and potential.
1: What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy, it helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Today's guest is Joe DeSinna, and this guy is an extreme endurance racer, a radical limit crusher. He made his fortune on Wall Street, packed up, and went off to sunny Vermont. And since then, he's competed in over 50 ultra events, including 12 Ironman events in just a year. And he created the Death Race in 2005, and a couple years ago, he started doing Spartan races. These are multiple-day physical and psychological challenge races, really to push people to the ultimate limits of performance. So this is an amazing guest to have on Bulletproof Executive Radio because, I mean, this is a guy who's about as superhuman as it gets. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now my head is so big, I won't be able to get back in my house. (laughs) You said something that was actually the reason I wanted to uh, invite you on the show, just when it caught my eye. And you said the Spartan race was intended to wake up the world and save humanity, which is kind of a big claim
5: for a Spartan race.
1: (laughs) What do we need saving from?
5: So, um, and you probably talk about it on on many of your uh, previous podcasts, but um, my big thing is... um, We've been on the planet, let's, let's call it a million years just for round numbers. It's only the last 200, 250 maybe that we, we live the way we live, uh, climate-controlled houses, coffee on demand. Uh, we're basically living in bubble wrap, yeah. Yeah. some of us, not the whole world. And so what was interesting to me, the reason that's relevant is as I was building these businesses, especially the uh, construction and swimming pool business, is it intrigued me that foreigners – would outwork any American I could hire they if I was a maniac I wanna work 20 hours a day and very few people could keep up with me but the foreigners could outwork me and and that just for 12 years fascinated me and I finally came to realize it's a frame of reference issue right these guys and girls from from these countries that don't live in that bubble wrap life that don't have food as readily as we do that that have um, maybe in some cases, I mean, you look at Bosnia, they burn their, the wood in their roof to heat the house until they have no roof. And so, um, so that just intrigued me. These were tough, gritty people that were just happy all the time to be alive, have water and food and a job. And so um, Spartan Race is a minor attempt to get us, the Bubble Wrap Society, to get a taste of what that feels like. Get out of our comfort zone, get in the mud, act like a human, face some obstacles, and maybe hopefully change our frame of reference. I, I've had some of my best night's sleep on like a bed of rocks and boulders <laughs> and, and thought to myself, this is so damn comfortable. And um, I used to think that I I haven't pushed myself hard enough until I can lay on some really sharp rocks and it feels good. So um so, yeah, I I, I agree. I think, um, I think taking yourself to that level where your muscles finally relax and give up and where you get to a place where I used to say um, where you just want water, food, and shelter. That's a really nice place to be, right? All the other stuff that we live with and all these headaches and all these pressures are irrelevant when you get back to water, food, and shelter.
6: So
1: you said the phrase I can't doesn't mean anything to me anymore, not because of my ego, but because I know anything is possible. So you're, you're bringing up like the effects of ego on performance there. So how do you how do you deal with your own ego when you know, you're hitting your wall? And when your body is saying no, like, how do you overcome that? Like, what's the strategy?
5: Well, I try to use my ego to get me through, right? So what I like to do is um, publicly announce I'm going to do something. So it's it's, <laughs> It's Sunday, and I don't know if I'm ready, but I want to raise some money for hospital care. So I'm saying, all right, Wednesday I'm leaving. I'm going to run 300 miles straight. I publicly commit. I send an email to everybody I know. I don't really want to run 300 miles straight. No one does, right? Right. But But I use my ego to trap myself. And so at mile 70, I'm exhausted. At mile 140, I can't take another step. But I told everybody, and my ego now, is the thing that's keeping me going. And, uh, and so that's how I, I, I use my ego. But, but as far as knowing anything's possible, it's, it's being in those situations uh, where you're completely done. You can't take another step. You lay down. You want to just be dead. And uh, somehow you do another eight days. God, it's so that
1: transcendence of the ego. The ego says no, and you're like, I'm just going to do it. And that's the point where you, you realize that you had limits you didn't know about
5: didn't even know it, You just keep going somehow. It just keeps going until, I guess, uh, thankfully, I haven't gotten to that place where you're dead. But at some point, I guess you die. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Seems to happen to everyone that I've, I've met, at least as far as I know. <laughs> um, well, do you, do you have some kind of tech? I mean, do you use technology to keep your ego in check or to get yourself into a flow state? Like, is there any trick there? Or is this just like pure on willpower?
5: Yeah, I don't I'm not a technology guy at all. I don't wanna know. I don't wanna know what my heart rate is, I don't wanna know anything. I just uh less is more. One step in front of the other, small little goals, really, really detailed paying attention to um those tiny little decisions like gee, I feel a hot spot in my foot. Let me take my shoes off, let me adjust the situation, even if I lose twenty minutes here, because Thirty miles from now, that could turn into a blister. If that turns into a blister, I'm walking funny. Walking funny turns into a hip problem. Then I'm out of the race. Yeah. So Really paying attention to those tiny little things. I've I've had uh,
1: Stephen Cotler on to talk about you know studying flow states and things like that. So different athletes from different disciplines enter it in a different way. But I mean, any other details? So like you're hallucinating, you're pushing yourself really hard, and you went into this space. But tell me more about what what's it like.
5: For me, it's this ability to go beyond anything I ever did in training or any race before. And all of a sudden, uh, you're not running out of breath. Uh, your heart rate doesn't matter. Uh, I was just, you're just moving. But I'm not talking about for 10 minutes. This is for yeah. 10 hours. <laughs> you're just uh, you don't need water. You don't need food. I'm seeing all kinds of crazy things, hallucinating all kinds of things. It's just an amazing place to be. It I, you, by the way crash you, at some
1: you, point. You said you do crash at some point?
5: Oh yeah, I, I you crash, you come down off that and um and, and then you gotta recover. But but um but while you're in it, it's pretty awesome. So what do you do to recover after a race? You know, so see you've been in a flow state, you know,
1: you, you push yourself really far, you hallucinated, you know, you you won, you you achieved your goal, and then like you're sore, you're hurting like what was it pizza and beer? L-glutamine and
5: egg yolks? Like, what do you do? You're going to, um, you're not going to like this one, but ice cold water. (laughs) Uh,
1: oh no, I I like that. one. I I do
5: cold thermogenesis,
1: I'll I'll sit in ice water. It's one of those things to tell the body to shut up. I, I I support that one. So you actually get in ice water?
5: Ice water. Got to find it. I, I mean, we live in a cold place here and we've got, I got a cold pond that somehow stays in the 40 degree temperature range all year and, um, yeah, it just it fixes things fast. Okay. So you sit in ice for how long? I might do a half hour, forty minutes. Um when I've done back to back events, I'll uh I'll do multiple ice baths. I could do uh five, eight, ten of them for twenty minutes each just, just out, back in, out, back in.
1: Wow, that's pretty hardcore. So when you're when you're not just recovering from a race, do you normally like every week expose yourself to cold to keep your vagal tone or how
5: does that work? I like to take cold showers just to piss myself off. I, um, it just wakes you up. I, I like to do anything that I don't like to do. Whatever, I, whatever my mind says I don't feel like doing, I then force myself to do.
1: That's a lot of discipline, but what, what an amazing practice, right? I, I mean, Joe, that, that, that
6: works.
0: Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance.
1: You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today, we're gonna talk about something that has a name that you probably aren't gonna like. It's called spermidine. Yes, it comes from, or at least was discovered in, that which it sounds like. And if you've read my anti-aging book, Superhuman, um, I talked about my quest to obtain spermidine. No, it's not (laughs) what you... There's so many jokes we can make right now, and we're not gonna make those. But uh, it turns out it's been incredibly difficult to get. And when I wrote the book, you couldn't get it other than as a research chemical. Recently, it has become uh, available. Uh, And it has all kinds of interesting effects on your health, on your longevity. And it's something I wanted to talk about, but I felt like I couldn't share it with you guys. The only way to get it was to illegally import a type of probiotic from Japan, which is what I did for Superhuman. Um, we can do better than that. <laughs> so that's what this episode's about. Our guest is Dr. Betsy Yerth, and she's doing research with spermidine as a, uh, just as an extract, as a natural form you can get, and what it does for aging, for various health conditions. She's a physician who's run the Boulder Longevity Institute for more than 15 years and an orthopedic doctor. And uh, She's a longtime member of the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. This is the the people who kind of created anti-aging medicine. It's actually where I met my wife uh, many, many years ago. And she works with a company called Longevity Labs that has introduced spermidine for the first time into the U.S. market, which is really cool. Betsy, or Dr. Yerth, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. I'm
7: really, actually, really excited to be here. I've been a long time listener of your podcast.
1: I have long considered spermidine as important as glutathione, but I couldn't get it. Do you think it's as important as glutathione?
7: I, I think it's more important. Quite frankly. Wow. Okay. That's again, incredible. You're going, look at the number of things this this does. Right. I mean, we, we went back to, again, and I think it's going to come back to it's really working right there on that whole you know inner membrane of the mitochondria on the oxidative phosphorylation pathway to 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 change your metabolic health. And I think, you know, your, your podcast you did with Jason Fung recently, you know, it's going to come down to mod- metabolic health is a big key player in yeah. cancers and Alzheimer's and dementias. So if we can restore normal metabolic health, which is making the mitochondria healthy, and that's right where it works. So I think it's working a base layer, layer lower than glutathione is. And it's, wow. it's probably going to be really, you know, if, if I, right now, if you were to ask me, is there one? supplement, if I abandon everything else, and that would be hard for me to do, but if I abandon everything else, this is the one substance that we we can absolutely say, hey, this is in our diet. It's across every eukaryotic species, right? Every single species, every one cell organ, everybody has this. So we know it's critical to life. We absolutely know it's critical to life. Anything that's preserved for that many species, we know it's absolutely critical. So I think that, that when you look at all those things it's doing and how important it is, and we have all these studies now that are showing that, you know, that it's affecting immune health, brain health, cardiovascular health, joint health, I think you, know, you can't really say that about glutathione. So that one substance that I would take, if I had, could take only one thing, it would be spermidine.
1: We know that spermidine is protective of the liver. Is this something that you should take if you're going to drink alcohol? I've always told people, yes, take glutathione, but should you stack glutathione and spermidine if you're gonna have a night of partying? It's really, it's really
7: actually very liver protective. And that's some of the actually the bigger studies that have been done on spermidine is in the liver. And it it increases NRF too. So it's it's very, very, very protective to liver and actually has reversed liver disease in people. We've used it in patients who have just alterations in liver function, sometimes unclear why, right? The liver is such a sensitive organ. Sometimes figuring out why the liver, you know, you start to see elevation in transaminases is a little difficult. You go through, you know, eliminating everything they're taking orally and people aren't drinking and still have some elevation in liver functions. And you can see really nice improvements in liver. So I think it's both protective but also restorative to liver function. Seeing the same thing in kidneys as well. So I think I think it'd be a really useful thing. Like I said, I would take it every day, but I would probably say, yes, you're going to go out for you know a, a night of binge drinking, don't advise it. But if you're going to do that, then then I would I would at least take a double dose of it and and, and give some liver protection. And again, okay. are, is it more important than glutathione? At least equally important in liver function.
1: Wow. So I I have known it's an anti aging powerhouse, and you know about some of the studies I just haven't seen. Which this is fascinating to me because I didn't know that much about the liver and spermidine specifically. Talk to me about fat loss and weight loss and spermidine. What do the studies show?
7: So, so uh, Brian Kennedy, who's out of the, in Singapore, their their lab just did a bunch of work on spermidine and fat loss, and it's interesting because the the way it really appears to work on fat loss is by actually increasing some of the 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 transaminases that are converting fat, and it works specifically on visceral fat so it's actually really really important for for visceral fat which as you know is the more dangerous fat and sometimes a very hard fat to get rid of you look at these so kind fat of, around the know, organs Fat, yes yeah, fat around the organs and you know when you look at these you know the, the 50-year-old guys who have the dad bods and the big old bellies and you know that, that's a really dangerous fat but it's also really hard fat sometimes to get rid of and so what they found was when they took mice and they gave them spermidine and put them on a high fat diet that it totally protected them from 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 gaining visceral fat. So it worked particularly. It worked in young mice. It worked in old mice. But it worked really particularly well on 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 that visceral or, or bad fat, and particularly on white so fat, and fat, not the brown fat. So dangerous. That's fat. the fat
1: you can't. Uh, that's the fat you can't see around your organs. Um, yeah,
7: but most you know, it, people who have it hides. Yeah, it hides around your organs. But most people who have you know, that big belly, most of those people have visceral fat. It's why, the, why we can measure abdominal circumference and, and make an estimation mm-hmm. of visceral fat based on just abdominal circumference that, that those people have you know, higher levels. So, yeah, so they found that it increased the lipolysis basically by upregulating these, um, these, these adipose triglyceride transaminases that are moving the fat out. So it was really protective, even okay. though it didn't directly – uh, affect you know, the metabolic status to, to increase weight loss. It wasn't like it increased metabolism, and so your weight was gone. So it really was very specific to working on some of these transaminases aminases that converted the white fat. So it was really interesting.
3: Hmm. And
7: his study was it was it was across the board. It was not age dependent. It was not sex dependent. Um, and it didn't seem, even though we know that spermidine also works on autophagy in fat cells, it didn't actually. It seemed. Even not related to that, and so there's this upregulation of, of all these different transaminases. When we look at the fat lipolysis pathways, so it was really cool in that realm, you know. So again, is there anything it doesn't do?
0: Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance.
1: You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. We are going to talk not just about probiotics, but specifically about some very interesting research that's coming out about the microbiome and about certain types of probiotics that form spores. And the guests today were catalysts for my favorite Bulletproof Radio podcast title ever. Check this out. Armor-plated Immortal Probiotics from Space that was episode number 629 and these are guests from Just Thrive Health Tina Anderson and Kiran Krishnan. Right, guys, welcome to the show.
8: Thanks, Thank Dave. Thank you for I'm having me. Excited us to again. be here.
1: You guys are are hacking IGGs and yes. and I, I I actually know what they are because some of the things I make are specific to increasing IGG but yep. you've got a new take on it. So define what an IGG is, how that refers to tetanus and just kind of give me the mm-hmm. give me the download on this.
8: Yeah. Well, an IgG is an antibody, as you know, and um, IgG is one of the most common antibodies that are found in the body. And so um, its job is to bind to toxins and bacteria, bad bacteria and viruses and other bad stuff in our gut and neutralize them and have them safely removed okay. from the body.
6: Yeah. So. And, you know, what's um, to add to what Tina is saying, the way we even came across this with the, with the whole concept of utilizing IgG for gut health right, is um, we were part of a small consortium of companies that were working with HIV researchers okay. um, to study what we can do about something called HIV enteropathy. So the NIH published a study, I think it was 2014, that showed that the best predictor of mortality in HIV and AIDS patients was the degree of leakiness. In their gut, okay. right, um, and they call it HIV enteropathy because what tends to happen in that condition is you get start getting all of this mucosal inflammation, gut lining damage, and then you develop the the um, opportunistic infections that come along. Right, and in fact, the progression from HIV to AIDS is dictated by how leaky that gut is. Wow, right. So then the the NIH actually p- proposed a challenge to the research community and said if you can find a solution for HIV enteropathy, we could probably significantly reduce the pathogenesis of the disease, like how fast it progresses, the mortality rate, and so on. So there were a couple of companies, including ourselves, that have things that are therapeutic in the gut, that work on the lining of the gut, the barrier function. We met this company that has this immunoglobulin product. Mm -hmm. And at that point, they had two published studies in HIV patients showing that when you take bovine immunoglobulins, which is coming from the bovine serum, so cow serum, and you introduce it orally into HIV patients, you actually um, reestablish the formation of the mucosa lining. You bring down inflammatory response in the gut lining, even in HIV, which is an accelerated mm-hmm. form of leaky gut, and then it allows for the repair of the yeah. gut lining. So, so what is the Just Thrive IgG? Like you have Ultimate
1: IgG. It's a new thing you guys made. What is, what is it doing?
8: Well, it all—it's also dairy-free, which okay. is a great advantage, and it has more IgG than you would find in, in most colostrum. colostrums. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah. Okay, and so yes. this is a bovine three percent okay. IgG. So, so yeah. this is basically a powdered
1: supplement, bovine yep. serum albumin, essentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. awesome. By the way, um, we're not doing the whey protein that BSA oh, okay. anymore, yeah. <laughs> um, just because I've focused really heavily on collagen, and you yeah. can only have so many products before your brain explodes. Right, <laughs> right. But right. Yeah. just saying that the BSA is the research is insane. It is, on yeah. It. yeah, yeah, um, and it is is uh, it's just an unknown thing in the mm-hmm. world, even of biohacking. Bodybuilders in the '80s looked at it, yep. but in terms of restoring gut, it's. I, I think you guys are onto something very, uh, very potent there.
8: Yeah, I think one of the things I just wanted to add is, you know, as a company, we. Really try to bring things to the market that are missing in the market and needed in the market. And you know, we obviously have so many times where you know suppliers are coming up to us. This this is the greatest. This is the greatest product and the greatest ingredient. But we really are trying to find things that yeah. are backed by research, backed by science. I mean, and and bring them to the market and that are really making a difference in people's lives. That's really important to us.
0: Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance.